In today's episode, we're speaking to Sandy Johnston. Sandy is an abundant life coach and intuitive energetic healer. She empowers women to rise up to their personal and professional lives. And she's also the host of Tiara's Tears and Triumph podcast, which is the go-to women's podcast for victims and survivors of abuse or narcissistic relationships. She helps women to heal, reconnect with themselves, recover and rebuild on other side of abuse. So let's speak to Sandy and let's find out how she changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And guess what? I have an absolute treat for you guys. A lady that I came across a few months ago who is an absolute inspiration to me and she will be to you as well after today's episode. I'm sure she's a fabulous, she's gorgeous, she's amazing. And most importantly, she's a very, very, very courageous woman. So welcome everybody. Let's welcome Sandy Johnson. How are you, Sandy? I'm very, very well. Thank you so much for having me on the show today, Gaul. I absolutely love your podcast. And just to let the listeners know that um, you have been an absolute inspiration to me in my life because even though I am helping other people, I am also on my own healing journey. Hmm. We all are. We're all work in progress, Sandy. I think that's why we can get inspiration from each other. And that's how life works at times. I think whenever we're at that low point, we can hear someone else's journey. And this is why I think these Friday features are so important. Listening to someone else's journey can give us the inspiration we need in that moment in time to carry on forward, to carry on moving forward. So Sandy, tell everybody um, what it is that you do and you're actually based in Australia. So tell us what it is that you do. So I am an abundant life coach and I'm an intuitive energetic healer. I also am a podcast host. My podcast is Tiara's Tears and Triumphs and that podcast reaches out to victims and survivors of abusive relationships. So my aim is to help raise women up again from the depths of their despair to a place where they are able to stand on their own two feet again and move forward in their life with courage and confidence. Lovely. And it is. And, I, I, and I'm going to be a guest on that podcast as well. Just, yeah, so I excited. can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, so let's get started with you, Sandy. So start us at the beginning. What happened with you? You have one health journey. And I'm going to let you take us forward. You know, start starts from the beginning. Yeah. So I'll I'll rewind um, and just say that I am a survivor of abuse, and um, that I am not alone. I am one in 
as many as one in three women who have been through some form of abuse Mm. in a relationship. And that's a heck of a lot of women, isn't it, Gaul? We know that. That that is. And I'm I'm gonna just interject here, Sandy. When we think of people, women in abuse, we think of someone who's maybe not educated or not who doesn't have access to facilities, who doesn't aware, who's not aware of their rights, or you know, someone who's submissive and someone who's maybe not that intellectually, um, you know, all there. They don't think of women like you and I. And I've come from a very, very abusive. Um, I bet I've, I've been married twice, and both of my marriages were very abusive. And that's another story for another time. But you would never think. A barrister, because I'm qualified as a lawyer in three jurisdictions. I'm a barrister here in the UK. I'm also a New York attorney and I'm a fully qualified solicitor. Whilst being qualified in three jurisdictions as a lawyer, which makes me a very strong personality, I've endured incredible amount of abuse. And in the end, it was literally just you know the, the last straw, which is the fair, which actually you know, ended up you know me walking away from the marriage. Otherwise, I would put up with more. And so this one in three women does not surprise me one bit because it literally could be any woman from any background with any you know, social standing, with any kind of intellectual ability. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about your, your intellectual ability, your background, your social status. You could be the victim of abuse. Yeah, thank you so much for illustrating that because there are a lot of stereotypes around abuse and also many, many misconceptions about abuse. There are many different forms of abuse. Yes. And, uh, you know, many people when they think of abuse will think of it as being in a physical form. And there are many other different types of abuse. And the abuse that is really coming into the limelight now and being talked about and being better understood is this area of coercive control Mm. and psychological manipulation. You know, you may have heard of the term gaslighting. Yes. And and this is something... Being the victim of it too, by this. (laughs) Yes. I've experienced it firsthand. Yeah. I I have heard your story, Gul, you know, and I am familiar with the type of abuse that you've been subjected to, and I know that gaslighting was a huge part of your experience. And for anyone listening who doesn't understand what gaslighting is, it it is, as I said, it's coercive control. Um, So the aim is basically to make the person, which is the victim, second-guess themselves and to lose confidence in their own judgment. And when they lose confidence in their own judgment, that gives the abuser or the perpetrator of the abuse the upper hand in the relationship and gives them the control that they are seeking. Now, you know, without going into the whole psychology of abuse, the abused person is still a person at the end of the day, just as we are, but they come from this place of insecurity and, you know, their insecurities, which are driving them to behave 
so inappropriately and you know badly with their partners is you know is damaging to their partner's life to to the children that are in that household yes. and it just has this ripple effect yeah. um, and that was certainly the case with my own experience and like you Gaul, you know I consider myself to be a person of reasonable intelligence (laughs) (laughs) however you know these narcissistic people that we uh, fall into these relationships with appear as a a sheep or you know they appear to be very safe they they often appear to be very charismatic Mm. and they say all the things that we they just know the right things to say to reel us in but you know underneath there's there's this other thing lying underneath the surface which when we go into that relationship we're not privy to so there there may be some red flags but often you know we don't pick up on the danger that we see so with my own experience, so we are going through my my story. So I'll stop talking about the the bigger picture of what abuse looks like. That gives people a sense of of what it is, and I think that I can go on to just speak about what happened to me in my life, which I'm now very happy to talk about openly because it is something that so many people go through. And I think that the more we have these conversations to say, I've been through this, it makes other people feel so much less alone in what they're going through and actually frees them to from some of the shame of that experience for them to reach out for the appropriate types of support to help them to break free from the cycle of abuse. So um, one other thing with the cycle of abuse um, is that I describe it a bit like, you know, that roundabout in Paris around the Arc de Triomphe and it's got multiple lanes and, you know, it's really hectic getting Mm. onto this roundabout. Once you're on the roundabout, a lot of people have this huge fear about how to exit the roundabout because yeah. you're caught in this multiple lane of traffic. And if you're not used to navigating it, it's very, you know, taxing to try and get out of it. And that's the way I sort of see the cycle of abuse is that it's really scary and you can't see the openings. You can't see where there's a break in the traffic for you to be able to break free from that Mm. cycle of abuse. So, okay, so going back, I, I ended a marriage which I I became I had my first child when I was 26 the marriage I was in I would say that there was some coercive control happening already in that relationship where um, my then husband was a bit like Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde on one hand he was super loving, super nice. And then on the other hand, you know, he had fits of rage and, um, you know, spoke to me in a very disrespectful, horrible way and um, took all of his stress out on me. And what that did to me at that time, I didn't know how to process that stress. I didn't know 
how to deal with it. And so I absorbed it all. And as I absorbed all of that stress, it then played havoc with my nervous system. And I then began to have anxiety attacks on a daily basis. And those types of anxiety attacks where it just overcomes you and you feel in those moments as though you're physically dying, you can't catch your breath, your heart is racing a million miles an hour and you think this is it, my time's up. And then it passes but then it happens again and it yeah. happens again and it happens again and life becomes a bit of a living hell. And um, I projected because, you know, we were very good parents together, but our relationship was in shambles. So, you know, I projected and I looked and I went 10 years forward can I still be doing this on a daily basis? And I said, no, I, I cannot. I, ca- I can't. This is unsustainable. So I went through a very protect, protracted divorce with um, my then husband and um, I fell from the frying pan into the fire with my next relationship. Mm. I was. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm going to just interject here. Yes. It's very common to do that because as yeah. you're speaking, I'm I'm thinking very similar because my first marriage was around this. I was in similar age, 26, 27, 26 actually, and then I think my daughter at 27 or something like that, something along those lines. So it's it's like you're taught you're talking my story, yes. and so this is for those listening. I want you to, and especially those people listening know that it's very common. You're not alone. You may feel like you're alone, but it's very common. So please go ahead. I just want you to just yes. bring that to bring it home. And you and I could both beat ourselves up on top of everything that we've been through for going, well, how did we end up going from one to one, yeah, another? Yeah, which is worse, but which ends up being by the way, which is a worse version. Like, so the, the second abuse was worse than the first one. Yes, 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 absolutely. So, but, you know, as you say, life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. Yes. So if you would have said that to me, Gull, at the time, I would have looked at you and said, what? <laughs> I would have thought, what are you talking about, woman? What planet are you from? <laughs> but you, you could, when you can look back in hindsight, you see the lessons and the life journey that you've taken. Yes. When it's going, when yeah. you're going through that pain, that trauma, that's a, that's a whole new world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, as I said, I fell into this, you know, other relationship. And so I was talking about the insecurities that, uh, you know, narcissistic person has. So with those insecurities, there is also dysfunction, you know, that the whole relationship, there's dysfunction in the relationship because things aren't functioning correctly. That's why it's dysfunctional. But the dysfunction in my um, my next partner was related to substance abuse and that was kept hidden from me. So there's this duplicit life and, you know, there's always some duplicity. That wasn't the only thing that he was duplicit in. There was also, you know, he, he was also having affairs on me and he was a spin doctor he was you know and that's another reason why um why I fell for him in the first place is because of his ability to be so witty Mm. so you know he had the gift of the gab he was just 
such a good trauma trauma absolutely absolutely sounds very familiar and I've never seen anybody get so many opportunities handed to them on a silver platter because of that charm because of that charisma that he had but because of his dysfunctions he just continued to burn bridge after bridge after bridge after bridge in his life and as he burnt bridges he also took me and the children that we had down with him. So we ended up on this spiral and the spiral was just heading down. It wasn't going the right way. And every time, so there was all this coercive control, as I said, and manipulation, and that was all with this these lies about what he was actually doing in his life. So I'd get fed a story and all this gaslighting was happening. So I was just always second-guessing myself. You know, I would say, "Mm, you know, I think this has happened. We need to talk about it. And then, you know, he would just talk his way out of it. And he had a, a tactic and his tactic, and I'll talk about this because this is a real red flag for anyone who's listening and, you know, is unsure of what gaslighting looks like in terms of behaviours and things that people do. If you are being gaslit, they the person will deny, deny, deny. They will never admit to any wrongdoing. They will never take responsibility, even to the point where you catch them red-handed doing something and then they will still try and turn it around and somehow make it your fault. Mm-hmm. So these these were my experiences. This is what I lived with for um, for eleven years. Wow! And we had what I call a revolving door relationship because there came a point I lost everything in this relationship. I lost my home, I lost my car, and the children and I almost ended up on the street. I always managed to, you know, land on my feet, but I had to fight tooth and nail to land on my feet and to navigate my way through it. And with the coercive control, and there was also stalking involved. So once we'd separated, he kept wearing me down and using the children as pawns in that process. So there was all this guilt and manipulation to try and, you know, get his position back. So he would use the children and say, well, you know, they're missing out on their father because of, you know, because you're not allowing me to be in the family home. And it was continuously, it was because he had a substance problem. And I'm like, until you get this sorted out, I tried to support him with through that process. So please don't, if you're listening, don't think I'm heartless. I stood by him for a long time and tried to help him. And it took me years to understand that I, in fact, was not helping him, but I was enabling him to continue Mm. on with his addiction. And um, because I kept propping him up, you know, I was, I was his stability. He kept coming to me to keep rescuing him Mm. and prop him up and give him that stability so that he could keep using and abusing the substance and using and abusing me and the children 
with him. Mm. So I stayed with him to try and help him get into rehab. You know, none of these things lasted and things got progressively worse to the point where it became, you know, like down in the gutter bad, you know, like he was stealing from me. I just, wow. you know, what whatever little I had, you know, was not safe. Mm. He would break into my home. He had he had taps on my, you know, on my phone. So I had wow. absolutely zero privacy. And that's again, that's a big, you know, big caution to anybody who um is in an abusive relationship that it's very easy to um for perpetrators to put apps, tracking apps onto phones there there's all sorts of technology which can be used to you know keep um victor keep very close tabs on victims so it was to the point where he would know who was text messaging me he would know the content of text messages he would he knew my he would I had no privacy absolutely zero privacy so there was all this jealousy and that's a big part of it too the jealous the jealous mm-hmm. streak is another big red flag um his jealousy was so off the Richter scale that um, we would walk down this is when we were together we'd walk down the street together and you know how people will check people out goal yeah. in passing yeah. you know they'll just give you the look up and down and if he saw a man give me a look up and down, he, would, he wouldn't be walking next to me. He'd walk like a step behind me and then he'd dress the guy down publicly within, you know, I saw it, people around us saw it, and he'd use all sorts of colourful language mm. and tell the guy to get his flipping eyes off me. Wow. And, yeah. And and wow. then he would tell me that it was my fault because I was so beautiful, you wow. know. So yeah. So and if whenever he was jealous about something, it was always my fault. Of course. So yeah. So that's just that's a red flag for anybody who has experienced any anything like that, you know. And jealousy at the beginning of the relationship can often be mistaken for adoration you know Mm. it's it's that wow that you know they just adore me so much Mm. that um they want to protect me and you know make sure that nothing bad happens to me but no, it's a very unhealthy state of affairs. It's unhealthy in all forms. I, I definitely agree. It's unhealthy for sure. Yeah, but it's, an, it's yeah. an early red flag. I think for it's an, it's definitely an early red flag. It is very, very much so. So please, if there's any sort of jealousy, please, you know, have a look at that. And um, the thing that I will just recommend now is that if you feel that there is some psychological abuse happening in your relationship, please reach out and get some support. Mm. Please do not think that you have to find all the answers on your own. There are lots of online supports, there are lots of free online supports. Um, If you feel that you aren't safe enough to be able to use your own, and this is, it sounds so ridiculous, but this is, 
what happens is you can't even use your home computer because yeah, to do research to keep yourself safe because, because, because seen, yeah. it could be seen. So yeah. it can leave a trail. So you need to go somewhere like a public library where you can access information and the perpetrator will not be able to see what you're yeah. looking at. So you need to start being, you know, thinking a step ahead, which is very, very taxing and it is very exhausting being in yep. an abusive relationship. It yep. takes all your energy just all to survive. Courage. Yeah, and all your just courage. Just to survive. Yeah. That's right. And you know, my children were obviously, they were, you know, my driver to keep me going. There were many times I just wanted to just give in because I had no no way of knowing how I was able to change what was going on. I had, I felt I had tried everything mm. to move away. And in my mind, I thought very logically and reasonably that he was the person with the issues that were damaging myself and the children he therefore he should be the one to stay away and give us some space so that I could give the children the stability and you know normalcy and everything that they needed and deserved and no that was just never going to be the case so so Things weren't, you know, things weren't physically violent for me in terms of I wasn't beaten up, that, Mm. you know, like I was held down. I was, you know, not allowed to move in an argument. And, um, you know, there was definite physical force involved in in the abuse. But, but, but. But you're, 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 I think anybody who thinks that abuse is only physical abuse is limiting it to such an, such a small amount that that is not even, um, that's not what we're talking about. And physical abuse, by the way, I think is not as severe as mental and emotional abuse. I've been through both. I've been through physical, severe abuse, physical abuse through my first marriage. And hand and heart, I would say, the mental and emotional abuse is it cuts you to your core. The scars on your skin, on your body heal. And the, I suppose the mental torture, you know, heals as well. But the fit, the, the, not, the things that you cannot see, the, the emotional and the mental abuse breaks you down from the inside out. Yes. My, my first husband was, you know, was physically abusive, but he never made me think that I wasn't capable. It was never, it never got to the point. Whereas the second one, he broke me up from the inside out. I lost all confidence in my parents, in my ability to earn, in my ability to bring up my children, in my ability to be a human. It was so, so, so severe. So I'm not saying that one is better, you know, less worse than the other, but I'm saying if you just think the physical abuse is just abuse, you are limiting it so much. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And look at how far you have come. You know, you have just come so far. And, you know, and I say to people that really your ability to heal your life really comes from your willingness to engage with your healing. And that, you know, that you're just a testament to that, Gore, because, you know, you have in, in your work, in all you do, it is about restoration and healing. 
And it it's all about building that relationship with divine source energy. I'm, I'm a big believer of that. Yes. And then, yeah. and recognizing that you are amazing, irrespective of your, you know, your gender, Absolutely. your race, your religion, yeah. your, your, your earning ability, it doesn't matter who you are, you are amazing just yeah. the way you are. And I think yeah. that's the first step. And then you, you come back and that's where the self-confidence and self-belief comes back from. And then everything yes. else is on top of that. Absolutely. I agree 100%. It's that remembering, it's that remembering of that divine spark that lives within all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, what I was saying before about that psychological abuse and the physical abuse, well, in my situation, I didn't think that it was going to become physical. Mm -hmm. Um, And what happened just totally took me by surprise because for the you know the hundredth time I had I I'd involved the police by this stage Mm. I had an intervention order and I did something that many other victims do and police tear their hair out about this because and what this does for police is it makes police believe that victims Uh, bring things on themselves because what happens is you go off you go right I'm getting the courage up to actually put a safe boundary around myself and my children to try and stop the abuse happening Mm. and then you're overcome with fear of the consequences that will come from you standing up for yourself Mm. and for your children and daring to put a legal consequence in place for these narcissists who never ever want to take any responsibility for themselves and suddenly you're standing up and you're saying I'm asking you to take responsibility not not only am I asking but the courts are asking you to Mm. take responsibility right now and they're like I don't think so so I knew that I was living with that and and as I suspected, so I, I had all this pressure. He was not supposed to contact me. Mm. He contacted me and, you know, and said, I don't know what you think you've done. I have never hit you. Why have you got this restraining order on me? Uh, you know, I don't abuse you and you better take it off. So I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, went back to the court and what have I done, what have I done? And so the court said, I'm sorry, but we're not actually going to remove this order, but what we'll do is we'll get rid of most of the terms, but he cannot commit family violence. And so that stayed in place. Thank God it stayed in place Mm -hmm. because I was back to the court within a week or two begging them to please put the terms back Mm. on again for me and the children and from that point it was like um my ex just went through the list of terms of things that he could not do and he started doing them ticking each one off and it was sending me a message that no matter what you do you know I've got I've got a hold on you and, you know, it doesn't matter. You can have any document, you know, in place and it's not going to stop me. So this is a message that I was given. And he came around one night and I just said, you cannot be here. And, you know, we will never be in a relationship ever again. But you can be a father to your children. And he said to me, no us, no kids. Wow. And when he said that, I thought he was just doing like he was throwing a tantrum and having a bit of a dummy spit and saying, 
well, I'm not going to be part of the kid's life then if you're not going to, if I can't, you know, have it on my terms. Mm-hmm. And um, and then within 10 days I got home and there was my house was overflowing with gas, a gas pipe had been broken in the kitchen. There was a um, a heater with a, a flame with um, which it was open. And as soon as I opened the door, that the intention was for there to be an explosion and wow. for me and the children to be in that explosion. So, um, so that was a pivotal, absolutely pivotal moment in my life. And it, um, you know, just sent absolute dread through me mm. um, because we'd crossed over to another part where I knew that the children and I were no longer safe to mm. be where we were. We were no longer safe to stay we went into hiding five times and um, things kept happening, break-ins kept happening, um, thefts kept happening. There was another uh, situation where there was carbon monoxide leaking into the house slowly. Wow. And, uh, and, you know, I was just an absolute nervous wreck during that time. And I knew very well that I, you know, could any day just be another family violence statistic. Hmm. And so the police were aware of the gravity of the situation. They knew that the children and I were hmm. at high risk. And so they managed to get enough evidence to keep him on the lesser breaches to the intervention order and remand him without bail for three weeks until the hearing. So okay. that gave me a window of opportunity. Yeah. And I took that window of opportunity and I um, garage sailed or yard sailed or whatever you call it. I opened up my home, put a sign out and said, come and buy whatever you want. I need to raise some money to get my children and I to another location to safety. And I'd raised enough money to cover the rent in, you know, a new home, the bond, you know, and cover the cost of the removalist. And we fled, you know, six hours away from where we were living. We had to stay within the the same state because at that time intervention orders only um, were effective in the state that you live in. So if you went and moved into state, then you wouldn't have any legal protection in that state. So we needed to stay within that state. I took on a new name. I gave the children a new surname. So when they were registered in their new school, and of course, you know, family violence services were involved, the, you know, um, the police were involved, the school knew we had, you know, lots of support around us. And, and I had to become very humble and just allow myself to ask for help and support. And um, it was a very traumatic uh, year that following year because he did um, go to jail for a time and that whole time that he was in jail, I was worried about what he was going to do to us when he came out of jail. So um, he did he did find us and he did go back to jail and after that, 
things have settled down for us. So I'm now six years on from that time Mm. and I have spent a lot of time needing to heal myself and help my children heal from the trauma of what we went through. And this is what I will say about about what happens with displacement, with people get displaced for all sorts of reasons. And um, I just think, you know, I really am very hopeful that this time since we've gone, you know, what's happened with COVID and all the uncertainty that COVID has created in the world, that I think what is happening from that is people are becoming more compassionate towards each other because people are actually much more aware that this thing that we call stability is very fragile and we have to find stability in things outside of those normal constraints that we have taken as taken for granted as being um, just normal parts of life. Now these things are, these things are great privileges for us, which you know we should have absolute appreciation for, but not take for granted. And yeah. if, if you know, and we should have compassion for those who are displaced and not judge them because yeah. they don't have the same sorts of stability that we have currently yeah. in our yeah. own life. It is all, life is precarious. You Very know? much so. Very yes. much so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm very happy to be here and you know and I have grown so much from that experience. And you're you're helping other people with your experience. I think this is something that we as healers I think recognize that sometimes we have to go through a journey to experience mm-hmm. and endure certain things so that we are able to then turn around and help others who are currently going through those experiences and help them come to the other side like we have. And so it's having the empathy and the compassion for those who are currently going through it and keeping an eye, you know, and remembering our own journey when we went through that traumatic time. And my goodness, I mean, I, I've heard your story before, but every time I hear it, it just gives me goosebumps. I, I, feel, I feel so much compassion for that woman whose only concern is the safety of her life and more importantly, her children. Mm-hmm. And being a mom... I get that. I have never been in a position where I've had to, you know, face the safety of my children. It's more about food, like how I'm going to feed them, uh, which is another kind of um, trauma, but their life has never been at stake. And to think to be in a position where their father is putting their life at risk and you chose that man to be their father. It's Mm. it's a whole new, Mm. you know, Mm. the guilt around Mm. their, Oh my goodness. It's just, Mm. I have so much compassion uh, for the lady and so much admiration for you who you've become so thank you so much sandy for jo- sharing your amazing experiences for us we have to have you back i think we need to have you back to help um help our in, in our money talking segment to help us understand i know most people won't go through the kind of trauma that you have you've been through but even to have a system to you know overcome our current anxieties be it around business or current relationships to put our mind to ease that we can come through the other end. I think anything like that would help. So we'd love to have you back and have another conversation on money talkies. But for the time being, Sandy, tell us, how can we connect with you? How can we find you? 
Easy peasy. And I would I would love that, Paul. Um, so you can just come and find me on my website, which is www.sandyj.com.au. And um, yeah, so sorry, .com.au. And uh, I have a Facebook group, which is Rise Up with Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. And of course, the podcast, Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. Wonderful. So all the, um, all the links that Sandy has just mentioned, so if you listen to this on the podcast, remember all these links will be in the show notes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, down below in the description section, you'll find all of those, uh, all those links as well. Well, thank you so much, Sandy, for joining us. Thank you so much for sharing your story so openly and so candidly with us. It's um, like I said before, and I'm sure the listeners would agree, you are quite an inspirational lady. And I'm so, so pleased and so happy to be talking to you. I look forward to our conversation on my talkies. Thank you so much for being with us today. And for those listening, thank you so much for joining me and Sandy today. I will be back on another Friday feature segment with another amazing person sharing their life experience and telling us how they changed their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. That's G-U-L-L-K-H-A-N.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day millionaire mindset makeover challenge, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.millionairemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in our next five-day challenge. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan. Take care and bye for now.